Hello, and welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited, where we'll cover one of the many reported cases of reincarnation, so we can bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But before we go too much further, I'd like to thank Alexios Arctos for his amazing sound engineering and editing work, and Raphael Crooks for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Today I'd like to welcome Tony Riley to the podcast to talk about her experiences as a regression therapist who heals through past life memory recall. Tony is a powerhouse in the reincarnation world. After reading Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss, Tony realized she'd found her calling and founded her own institute called the Tony Riley Institute, where she teaches courses on soul life coaching, recall therapy, stress relief and relaxation, and she also runs philosophy where she teaches people to read cards by intuition and provides helpful tools to help lead people to find their life's mission. And as I've mentioned before, of course, she does work as a regression therapist to help people to confront and overcome their fears through regressing them through past life memories. She's also written a best-selling book called Awake, which can be found on Amazon and through all good bookstores. So let's join Tony now as we talk about reincarnation and healing through past life memory recall. Today I'd like to welcome Dr. Tony Riley to the podcast and I'm incredibly lucky to have her here because Tony is a real force in the reincarnation world. First of all, before we, we get to it, Tony, how did you first learn about reincarnation and what was your path to get to where you are now? Oh, Marilyn, I'm going to try and keep my story short. I love telling it, if I'm honest. It was a big part of my life. But about in my early 30s, I was at a stage in my life where it was getting turned upside down from a personal perspective. So basically, I left my marriage. And what happened from that in the lead up to it, and then, of course, it escalated afterwards, I couldn't stop soul searching. I'm thinking, why am I here was just so in my awareness. And part of that was I had known, well, no, I didn't know, but I had been told that I was intuitive. And I didn't really know what that meant, to be honest. But what I wondered was, if I am that way, why do I know nothing about it? Why am I unaware of it? So someone told me that I needed to be quiet. When are you ever quiet? And I said, well, when I sleep, because I had three little kids, you never have a chance to have a moment to yourself. So anyway, he said, you have to meditate. So at that stage, I thought Buddhist monks meditated. That was my whole knowledge of meditation. I was so, so mainstream. And I thought I, I'm going to find a meditation teacher and I found someone. I was in Brisbane then, but because of my marriage breakup, I was spending a week in Melbourne and a week in Brisbane. So in Melbourne, I found a lady who ran development circles and I went to those circles and I really quickly learned what intuition was and I had it. It worked. It was amazing. But the thing that I really didn't know about either was self-awareness and that is actually the big thing that came from meditating is I realized I was pretty messed up or I had low self-esteem and things like that so the self-awareness was in my face but also from meeting that lady Mary her name was she told me to read Many Lives, Many Masters. Mm -hmm. And I was oblivious at that time of past lives or anything to do with that, really. And anyway, I because she told me to read the book, I was on a mission to find it. 
took me three weeks. I found it back in Melbourne, in St Kilda, in uh, Reading's bookstore, actually. And um, I opened the book, went, walked to a coffee shop, opened the book, nearly read the whole thing. And I thought, oh, I know what, I know what I'm supposed to do. It resonated so deeply that my knowing took over, I guess, because I had no knowledge of it before. So that was how I got into it. And I think, of course, I know so much more now from exploring those realms, not just for myself, but with so many clients and students over the years. But it was so destined, is what I'm going to say, or that mission was so destined because the doors just flung open and that path or that trajectory of going down the past life route was just so strong and people were presenting left right and center for me to regress them oh of course I had to learn first which I did with Mary I thought after I read Brian Weiss's book Dr Brian Weiss I adore him after I read his book I was thinking I'm gonna have to go to the states have a session (laughs) I never heard of past life regression before and so I didn't realize that people knew how to do it or there were people around that could do it but I went back to Mary who told me to read the book and I said oh I must have one of these sessions and she said oh I know how to do that so I end up in her lounge room on her couch she regressed me it was like I felt like it was So it was real. I'm also quite a logical person. So as new as it was to me that being on that couch, I saw in my mind, like a bit like a dream, I could see, I felt, I even can feel the same feeling right now. And I was quite stunned, actually, that what presented to me, and I did ask for three issues to be addressed, new to me that they were even issues, but I asked about three things. One was for me speaking in front of people. I say public speaking, but for me, it was standing up in front of even my family to speak to them would make me want to faint. It was terrible. So it was a real fear that I had. So I asked about that. One of the things that assured that fear to me was when I was married, you were to get up and have a say a few words at the reception. It was terrible in fact I lost my voice <laughs> so, there was that I also asked about I went through school covering my writing I didn't even think it was weird to be honest it was just something that I always did and after I was doing these meditations I realized oh that's actually a bit of a phobia that's weird so I asked about that writing thing and I also asked about why am I in my 30s and don't know that I'm intuitive what's this all about those were the things I asked for in that session and they were all answered. And from that answer, everything kind of exploded and doors opened for me to go down this path, I suppose, or this trajectory of working with past lives. And I was told, I always feel like that guidance came in for me and I listened to it, what to do. So I was told to write everything down, which I did. Every session I did, I wrote all of the notes down. I documented it all. So that's how it started. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So at the time that you had your sort of, you know, the the major crisis of your marriage breaking down, were you actually a psychiatrist at that point? Had you had you done the medical training and you were more of a mainstream psychiatrist or, did, or did, was it something you started from there? I literally started from there. 
I was nothing trained in that regard, actually, until I started those past life regressions, or I had a a tiny bit of, I guess, counselling going on, but I wasn't trained, but I was reading people with cards. And I had started to do that to also embrace my intuition. So that was what I had. It turns out that there's an, an inherent knowing there for how to counsel people with not without telling them what to do, or I guess to help them feel better about what's going on for them. But yes, when that past life exploration started, I didn't know anything. And I think it's all quite miraculous, really, given that that is uh, how it was. And people would come, I'd regress them. And I learned so much on hit the ground running, learned all about how you could do this with people in such a, I guess I call it a pure way, because really the answers for them, they weren't coming from me as any sort of therapist. When we were in their past life, or particularly after the death scene is actually where all of the the real main therapy happens, is And what I've come to know is they're talking with their soul who planned what they're doing here. And that's what they're getting access to through the past life. And they're, I was going to say gifted, but they're given knowledge of why things are happening now and the purpose of them. And what happens there in those sessions is the person then is so at ease with what's happened, no matter how traumatic it's been that it changes them. I think it probably steps up their wisdom in a way because they don't seem to feel a victim of what's happened to them anymore. They've got this sort of higher perspective of it. So my training happened after. It started after I had been regressing people probably for about a year. I think actually when you talk at the start about the intuition factor of it, I think we are actually in tune with our consciousness more than we realize. And I yeah. think I, I've had a few sessions with Jeff Keen, who is someone that I would call, he's just had lives and lives and lives where he's been a soldier. And he seems to leave himself little breadcrumbs in each life so that he, I don't know whether he actually had memories in his other past lives, but he certainly does in this one. Um that awoke when he was an adult because he had an experience at one of the Civil War battlegrounds and it reminded him of. So his wasn't actually a regression as such, although he did go on to get regression after that because like a lot of people who have the memories, as you say, there's a lot of phobia and a lot of trauma that can be attached to those memories. And regression is brilliant at actually helping people to come to terms with what's happened and to just I think having that knowledge I think having that understanding of why of what happened it actually gives you then clarity and you go oh I understand now you know I really think that helps it's that it's that understanding at the core why and I think it's interesting that you just said that Jeff had left breadcrumbs in lives because what's so many things have become apparent to me over these last 20 years like working in the past lives it kind of went in phases even for me but I think that now nearly 20 years down the track it seems that they are all connected and there's this whole preface or this whole idea particularly in the spiritual realms where we come here to learn lessons but what I've discovered is it's less 
about lessons and more about there's this experience that we are coming to have and it is all connected from life to life to life to life. We've all been here so many times. So it excites me now to start hearing and recognizing that people becoming aware of the breadcrumbs that tie the lives together. And it's quite exciting in that it's not to punish them. It's not for the reasons that I think have been sold to us in I'm going to call it the new age realms. We're here to suffer and we're here to pay back. We've got all this karma to work through and things like that. It's like, oh, there's so, there's a much bigger perspective and there's a much bigger, more organized chaos to life. And they are all connected somehow. And I found a lot lately of people coming forward, much like Jeff, who I'm not familiar with, by the way, but they come forward with these extraordinary correlations that they can recognize in the lives that they've lived, why it's happened. And so it's very exciting to me that the whole space is just opening up. I think that humanity is I'm going to say allowed, inverted commas, to know much more now. So we're being introduced to how it works and the real purpose behind the experience of life or the experiment of life, which is what I think it is. Interesting you say that we're actually being allowed to understand more. And I think you're right because I actually, a bit like you, I'm kind of someone that everyone says is very, uh, I should be a counsellor and things like that. And I'm actually going to look into that. But before I do that, I started dabbling in a psychology course and got about three weeks in and then realised I'd have to experiment on animals at some point and went not doing it. So um, we we weren't at that stage anywhere near, but I'm like, no, I, I won't and can't. But they mentioned then that the brain actually, and this this blew me away because of reincarnation, they mentioned that the brain over the course of the thousands of years we've been alive has slowly actually grown to meet the needs, need for higher higher understanding and wisdom and what have you. So we started off with the, the little back brain, which was... um. What's the one called? I, th- I can't remember. Anyway, but but the portions of our brain have actually grown. So our grown is actually our brain has actually grown to meet the needs of our need for more understanding and intelligence. And and that struck a chord with me with reincarnation because I think the same thing is happening on a conscious level. I think people are becoming more aware of how connected we are to the other side and and are starting to be able to embrace it because they're not as afraid of it. I think originally reincarnation particularly was seen as something a little bit spooky, a little bit maybe demonic and a bit weird, you know. It's really interesting because that cycle or this whole cycle of humanity, we started out as maybe not at the start, but we get into being kind of savages where we're defending our land defending our close people and then there's this evolution towards religion which created such a an extraordinary amount of fear but then now we we evolve to where religion has less of a hold on humanity less i say it's not entirely done but and then we are becoming more conscious so it's all to me it's all the dots or the puzzle pieces coming together with this experiment of life. And I love to hear that the brain or our physiology is adapting to what we're doing right now as people, as a human race. Well, that's the thing. I think we're actually, as a species, I suppose you could say, 
we are on a path towards learning and understanding what life is about. But I agree with you. I don't think we come down in this predestined sort of trot from one point to the end and then we we don't do anything outside of what was already predestined. I think we're meant to meet people and I think that's why synchronicity comes into it because I think you're led to the things you need to learn. And that's what I mean about I think there is much more of a connection on this side with the other side than we realise. I think they actually do work together a lot more. Otherwise, how do you explain synchronicity? And really, when you look at it, that's what happened to you. Yes. You were were led to the people who started you on the path of you need to be quieter, you need to be more, you need to be more in touch with your intuition because that was what started your real journey. And Marilyn, that synchronicity, I've even got goosebumps now. Synchronicity is, I think maybe that's one of the assurances that people who are potentially skeptical or even have don't take any notice of of this synchronicity when you start to notice it it's everywhere it's Mm. everywhere it's every day it's it's so loud and loud I'm gonna say when you become aware of how in sync everything is and you don't even after all this time I still my jaw still drops open at how (laughs) wow it is still amazes me when when things present and they drop in and you meet this person and how it happens it's just incredible i got to agree with you for me synchronicity is I think synchronicity for me was one of the first moments where I really recognized that the two sides are connected but it was also the 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 questions that really set my hair on end because I started thinking if they're interacting with us on the other side to provide these little uh, nudges I suppose you could say towards things then what does that mean it's, it's interesting I, I, it seems to be when we say that religion has sort of been the mainstream and now it's sort of backing off a bit in actual fact I actually think that if you look at the ancestral tales of people who are in tribes and things like that I think religion actually is based on a sort of a little bit of a, a memory of what the other side is like because if you think about it the real difference between religion and reincarnation is only the length of stay on the other side if you look at near-death experiences and things, they speak about there are divine beings on the other side who help us, who are bigger than us, that are not necessarily human, that we have all the answers, that we have this bliss, that there's peace and joy and love, and and then you come back and go, oh God, I'm back here. When you look at the two sides, the only difference is that religion says you stay in heaven with God, whereas reincarnation says you come back. So how much of Christianity is actually based on our subconscious understanding of what's on the other side? I think from what I learned, my doctorate is actually in divinity. So um, through that, I've never been a religious person. Of course, it's popped up through my life, but all of the religions are based on what happens on the other side and where we're from. It's so evident. They're all, the foundations of them are all really beautiful, actually, and much more in the way that I see it from working in those realms. That's what the basis of them all is. And I think over time, I suppose what happened is it had to change and people get scared because this person wrote that or said this. However, it's all evolved. The basis of them all is beautiful and it's kind and loving and and nice. So however it it went, it was meant to go with religions and how it affected humanity. But I think that's what's happening now is we're getting back to the roots of what it was all about from the start. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you on that, and I do agree with you. I'm not a I'm not a religious person at all, apart from believing in reincarnation. And as I've explained to people who ask me, and my listeners know this, that for me, it's a natural cycle. It's yeah. just part of life. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something that's particularly religious or. I suppose you could say spiritual in some senses. It's just we live this experience and then we go back to the other side and I think we have time to process what we went through and we can sort of share it perhaps as well and then we come back again. I think it's just that simple. It's interesting when you look at it. To me, I think Christianity perhaps was a way to lead people towards the start of that understanding of it. And now you're getting people who are jaded with with standardised religion because they feel... I will. I know for me, it was I did not really appreciate coming from a faith based. Like I have to have something more substantial, and uh, we've mentioned that about my listeners. But it's interesting that the journey I've been on since I started doing this is I started out feeling there was nothing paranormal attached to it at all. And as I've gone along, and you look at synchronicity, and you look at you know people's the experiences that a lot of people do have, like they can experience ghosts and things. Like, you realise there's a lot more to it, especially with regards to psi ability. A lot of people seem to have a lot of psi ability, which I think is the ability to be able to, a bit like Tyler Henry, really, in a way, if you know who Tyler Henry is. Oh, there, that's our our sixth sense at play, really, mm. where where we can talk to people on the other side and all of that kind of thing, the yeah. mediumship realms. Yeah. yeah. So but to get it back to actually what you do, so you ended up using your knowledge and your skills and you started to regress people to actually help them with their healing. And you said that in, in the course of that, you found people who actually have been able to also prove past lives as well. Is that the case? Yes. So initially, initially for me, it was the passion was that it can fix things for people, it was emotional, physical, and mental, everything. It could, it could basically fix anything that people if they were willing to regress then things all types of things would be fixed for them but it evolved it was very my work was very based on that therapeutic aspect of doing the past lives but and it did that for years and I documented it all but things started to transpire more to initially it was more to the in-between place so the afterlife where once they die, they would go off to, Michael Newton coined it, life between lives. So they would go into that space. Though my people, I was aware of his work actually, but my people would go specifically to be told whatever was important for them to know now instead of it being a very structured session the way that he would do them. So again, it was always to appease something that was going on in their life now. So even in the between realms, they would be maybe a passed over person. Like let's say the client's father had died and they were terribly in grief for him or there was unfinished uh, words or business together. That dad might show up and that client would be talking to him, not through a medium, so directly to him and also that that was one thing that happened is I call it reconnection now because there you can facilitate people to to reconnect with their past over person but it will be for a reason to make now better so it will be to appease guilt or to appease the emotion that that client is feeling now but it's a very magical thing for them to experience 
and it's liberating just like the past life stuff is of emotional stuff or relieving them of a physical symptom so yes the work evolved 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 so there was a time where a lot of people were going in between and I Marilyn it was so exciting because the people that came to me I'm giving a bit of an umbrella statement here but the people that came to me were they were professional people they weren't really people necessarily from the new age arena they weren't from there so they were coming and (laughs) when things would happen they were as like what what is this what just happened so it was amazing because they were not a lot of them had not really even heard of past life regression per se they were coming along as a last resort to relieve some symptom I would get presented with this afterlife or even places other than earth that where they would go and they literally would come back and be like what on earth was that but it's happened and they felt it, it's now in their awareness and they're awakened, I suppose, completely awakened to the fact that there's so much more and it's beautiful over there. It's peaceful, it's lovely, it's not really uh, human at all, even though when people do go over, sometimes they can be shown just in either colour or energy. But I think that what happens in these sessions is people see it in a way that they need to comprehend it as a human because it's happening for them to process it as a human, as they are in this life now. So if that means they need to see the figures or the beings as physical beings, then they will see them in that way. Whereas I think if they're very, depending on the individual, if they're very sensitive and feeling, they might literally just have the sensation as energy or color as even a vibration so one way or another people are shown what they need in those realms well I'm glad you actually came to this point because it's something that's um, fascinated me for a while one of the things when I started looking at reincarnation I all started started looking at near-death experiences because of course the two are tied in a way a near-death experience is really the jumping off point of someone going to the intermission period except they're pulled back which yes. is probably something that's a reasonably new thing because we've got so much more medicine now we can pull people back from the brink I don't know how many near-death experiences there would have been in the middle ages because you probably just died <laughs> if you get my drip so um it's interesting now that we've got this ability to be and maybe this is where some of the shift in our culture has come from of people coming back and relating these experiences and you're right it seems to be some people will see god and they'll see angels some people will see a beautiful field and there's like sometimes they're on their own and then they'll become aware of someone with them and sometimes they just they just experience these things sometimes I'll see their pets I think our consciousness has little abilities that it seems to be able to employ to stop itself from being shocked at death and what happens in death and and also with their experience on the other side I talk about this often because it was one of the things that originally really put me off a bit 
of people who have like a near-death experience, they can experience the trauma of what's going on from two perspectives, from within themselves, but also from, say, 30 feet away. And I thought, well, how can that be? That's got to be crap, right? That's got to be crap. But I think actually our subconscious has almost like a an automatic knee-jerk thing that when it's too intense, it can almost like split itself and, and separate away from the pain of what we're physically experiencing. So that means that our consciousness and our physical are sort of joined in a way. And I think that when we die, our consciousness does that same thing on the other side and it goes, oh, this is a bit confrontational. I'm used to that life that I've had for 90 years. I'm going to put it in terms that I can understand until I'm more settled into back into being in this side of things. So that's, it's really interesting that you talk about the detachment that happens. And it's, it's actually something that when people regress or they go beyond to the in-between or even beyond that, and I think that's where this wisdom comes in actually is that they're seeing things from this different perspective. It's like you're not in it and the detachment is is key. But also something that happens when people are faced with death, literally like um, if I was about to be hit by a car or something like that, then what seems to happen is that detachment happens even then. And I think it's because the actual physicality of the pain, it seems to go in slow motion and the body and the consciousness somehow detaches so that it can be, I I don't know, so that it follows the plan. And it's whenever people die within their past lives, even when it's a horrendous death, you know, something awful in war or that kind of thing, or it's taken them by surprise, is always a peaceful thing because that detachment happens, or at least that's what everyone describes. And I think even when you start talking to people who work in hospice and with literal death in this life, then they all talk about the people knowing that they're going and they know it in the past life too. They're all at ease. We know they're going. They're aware then of their outdate and that their time's up. And I think in those hospices and things where people are literally dying, they start to reach out to people from the other side or have an awareness of it. So it's all, I guess it's all correlation, what's going on, but it's, I think it's all quite, I don't know, unbelievable, I suppose, until you have some sort of an experience yourself. And then it's like, oh, you can barely describe it in human terms, actually, in the way that we feel or the way that we perceive things. It's very different. So, but truly, just like all the near-death experience people describe, people who have an extraordinary past life experience, or more so what happens after the past life, is they get to feel that sense. And that's where they come back, realizing that there's so much more and that death is not anything to be feared. And I feel like within the work that I do, that's the biggest thing that people could gain from an experience like this or just even being open to it it's almost like live life because we are here to have this experience of life so we've got to make the most of it touch taste sound and most of all emotion and that's really what we're here for and I think that's what we can reach peace with and then stop worrying about when we're going back when we're going to die and I think that That's probably the greatest gift that any of these experiences can give to someone, that it allows them to live, live now. It's interesting, isn't it? I agree with you completely. I think 
I think especially when you say that it's about the emotion on this side. I suspect, yeah. my suspicion is that the only way for us to truly experience emotion is to actually be in this physical physics, physical situation. Yeah. When I look at the people who have past life memories and have trauma, it seems to me that the things that we bring back from our memories of the past, we do remember the linear things that happened in life, but it's the emotion that's attached to the past life that seems to be coming forward more than anything. It's yeah. always the thread. And I think to simplify, even when people recall their past lives, always the thread is the emotion. No mm. matter how gory the scene's been or how much we perceive, oh my God, what if that happened to me? It's always about the emotion and it's the same. And this, the same heartfelt grief, for example, can be felt from many different things for certain people. And also just as easily as it can be grief, it can be this feeling of courage that comes from something that people might perceive would be such a terrible thing to happen, but it gives someone courage. So it's extraordinary. It's been such a magical thing to study and to observe and even to experience myself. So it's just been a wonderful thing to have this perspective on life. It's incredible, isn't it? It's amazing how it changes your mindset yeah, as I've gone along. My mindset and actually my consciousness has opened up so much more to things that I would be before I would have seriously poo-pooed. But yeah. now I actually believe. And because because I believe and I can see that that is part of what we go through, it's actually happening to me every now and again. I'll get little tiny, tiny touches. It's really weird. But there is one thing with regards to regression that I find a little bit problematic. And that is when you have people who have completely happy, healthy, wonderful lives who then go, oh, it sounds like fun. I think I'll get regressed so I can find out about my past lives. And I have a little bit of a concern about that because of the emotion because I don't think people realize how confronting sometimes it can be to recall some of the things from the past do you really kind of ascribe to the idea of just finding out about past life just because it's a kind of fun thing to do yeah I do because so out of curiosity mm. you know what happens every time they come for curiosity they think they're coming for curiosity their soul has sent them along or they're listening to themselves, really. We're going to go get regression for curiosity and they will inevitably discover something that is an issue or that is it's going to be very liberating for them in this life or the, in the current life. So, yeah, they think they're coming for curiosity, but there's there's always something there for them to discover that's going to be like, whoa, maybe even, dare I say, denial. And it's not conscious denial, but it People have all got things going on because we are here for an emotional experience. So it's whether they're noticing yet. If I even think of myself, I didn't know that anything was wrong in my life or that I had issues or that I had low self-esteem. I was totally unaware of it. But then when I was, it was, yes, it's emotional, but it's also so liberating because I think, I think because you change so much after that, it just makes life just so much better somehow for growing as an individual and growing as a person. So that's what happens with past life regression. No matter what they're coming for, they will be given something that is liberating and relevant. So, and I think no matter how emotional it gets in the past life, some people see it completely detached, but a lot of people, it gets really emotional. But what happens in the past life session as 
fast as the deep emotion comes on, it also goes. So certainly the way that I facilitate past life regression, by the time they come out of their session, no matter what's happened, they are feeling like a weight has lifted and they're liberated. So really what I've found is the emotion that comes in is it's a blessing in a way and it's a release and it will be associated with something that they feel now. It, will be a, it helps them understand something that either they're, they've been masking now or trying to avoid letting people see maybe even how emotional they are, or how soft they are, whatever it might be. That emotion is, it's a bit of an opening for them to be their real self, actually, to be their true self in life. That is really interesting. I'd never actually made that connection that it actually could be another form of like the synchronicity leading them towards. I never thought of it from that angle. Isn't that interesting? I was more concerned about the guarding them from hurt that they might not realize about. But you're right. If someone goes and has a regression, it would change regardless of what you experienced. It would change your experience of it. And with regards to regression, so this was the other thing we talked about. I think from a healing aspect, what you see on the other side, what what you see when you are regressed is helpful to you in helping you to interpret whatever you're feeling. With regards to past life recall, we kind of say if you're going to go and try and find out about past lives for the sake of wanting to find out about the past life, be careful because you'll often pull up a little bit of everything. You'll pull up like um, past life memory, but you'll also pull up imagination and you'll pull up a little bit of cryptomnesia where you've picked up things from movies you watched when you were a kid and stuff like that. Um, Do you find that that tends to happen in your regressions? I find that people with past life regression, it's always literal. At least it's always been in my work. So if they go into a past life, it's literally a past life. And what I also found is if they're obsessed with a time in history, let's say, always this is the example that comes to me. So let's say they're obsessed with, okay, I'm going to say cowboys and Indians. Let's say they love John Wayne movies. And then they come for regression at whatever time in their life and they see themselves in in that type of environment. And then I think that this natural, like, did I just make that up because I love cowboys or I'm obsessed with cowboys, have been since I was a little kid. But what happens is there will be no movie star in their past life. There will be a literal past life and we explore it to find out what's happened So it's more that when people say it's imagination, it's not actually that they'll see John Wayne in their past life. They never will. They don't. They see something that is of a similar setting. And of course, even their logic's like, oh, did I just make that up because I love those movies, those films? But it's it's the opposite. You love those films or that era because you've been there before. So the past life from the work that I've done will always take them into their past life memory when they were there, as opposed to that they are imagining it. I also feel like if you're imagining it, then it's not actual regression. Regression or the images that come in from past lives, it drops in. It drops into your awareness. You don't, you don't, you're not imagining it. It's dropping in over your conscious mind. And I think also, I, I truly believe that when something comes to a person, even if it's imagination, though it's not what I see happening, then it's come to them at that point 
because they need to look at it. So it has come from their subconscious. So those are my findings with past life regression. And I think that if people actually have the experience, they can then understand that it's it's not made up or it's not imagination. Mm. I agree with you. I think that people can actually, for example, have like a, say, a Cowboys and Indians life and, and actually have had that life. But what I was wondering about too is I, I remember particularly I saw on one of the forums someone who said that they'd lived a life in the Middle Ages and they were convinced that they had actually fought a dragon. And I'm like, well, dragons don't exist, so I don't know how that could be. But is it because they had a life in the Middle Ages and for some reason they transposed something about their struggle at the time into a fight like that, which means that it was actually a past life from that past life. But they've also, because they couldn't cope with whatever imagery they were dealing with or something like that, that they've actually added that, like embellished, as the brain will sometimes do. Is that possible? Or because there have been some claims that I've gone, that's a little too left field. Well, I have to sit on the fence with this. I have to because I've heard so many things. They People go to other places. They go to other planets. They go to all sorts of places. and. The dragon thing to me is it's kind of I would have used to absolutely thought as if they are making that up. They're not really in a past life. I would have thought that. But what I always did was went with whatever was happening and never judged. I always stayed objective. But I feel now having seen so much over all of these years that were there dragons? Where did it come from? I think that the fact that we, even throughout history, there's been talk of dragons and there's cartoons made of it and there's it's all said to be fallacy and made up, but there must have been some sort of reality of it somewhere, somehow in, in the great cycle of humanity. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I truly, you know, have heard about the dragons and things, so it's like, well... Were they there? Maybe, maybe they were there. Well, maybe too it might be a, a simple thing of what we call now a dragon is different to what they called a dragon back then. Maybe they were talking crocodiles or, you know, who who knows? You know? <laughs> That's a very high possibility, actually. And I suppose even if we think about with the dinosaurs and things, the kind of flying large animals that they were then, there probably was different things. And, yes, were they the dragon that's been you know, put out in the fairy tales and everything. Probably not those, the big giant things. But yeah, I think there's got to be something behind everything that's happened throughout history that even comes to be a fairy tale now. Mm. Maybe exaggerated, maybe exaggerated, of course, but yeah, don't know. I actually actually agree with you on that. I watched an interesting show called, oh God, um, it was on Netflix. I'll have to look it up and I'll put put it in the end notes because I've got a mind like a goldfish. I can it was called something like Ancient Civilizations or something, and it was about a guy who was basically calling our history into doubt, and he was saying, we have had people who have been, we've actually lost at some point in history's past a super race of people who actually were wiped out, and when things, the reason why I talked about religion earlier is one of the things he talks about is the Great Flood. He said that when you actually look at the geological structures around, especially around the top end of the earth, the North America area, there was a massive flood that did affect everything. And when you look at most of the law from the tribes, from other races, there's usually something about a big flood in it. 
There's usually something about a race of people who came to help rebuild and they often describe them as giants. And I've just seen a thing recently about they're saying that there might actually have been a giant race that actually was here. And that's from archaeology. That's not from like uh, any of the... Past lives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see the... <laughs> How interesting. Do you know, I literally just watched that, that series. <laughs> I loved it. Like I about was... a week ago and I thought, oh, isn't this amazing? The work that he's done, oh, I can't even just remember me- his name now, but it's like, wow. It is a really good show and it really makes you think because he says when you look at the law of a lot of the, we always discount the law. And yet really, why should we? Because really that's the history of the people. That's, yeah. They're actually relating the facts that happened in their lives yeah. and putting it into law, putting it into fairy tales, putting it into, you know, I suppose you could say it was their way of, of recording what's happened in the history. And then it gets lost into fairy tale. When in actual fact, if you look at a lot of the fairy tale, it's based on facts of things that happened. So yes. I was completely blown away by that. I thought that was amazing. The main thing, as you said, was the the flood that came, that they all talk about these people in those times could not possibly have been or not been connecting. So, but they're all, their whole community, their whole race has these same stories. That's what he said all across the world, that there was always this talk of the big flood and it's it's so extraordinary. And that he'd found places so much older than have been recorded. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He was saying that our history actually goes back a lot further than we as uh, than our modern history allows us to let it be sort of thing. It's a fascinating, I can recommend it to anyone. I'll link the uh, name of it when I, I usually put a bit of a front, a forward and a back on this. I'll actually let people know what it was called when I get off the other end of it and put all this together. Because I think it, it made an interesting point to me that I think that we can have memories perhaps of things that happened way, 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 way back, like back to Neanderthal, back to possibly even when we were furry little mammals lying in the ground somewhere trying to avoid the dinosaurs. I think it can go back that far and perhaps that's where our memory of fighting dragons comes in. Maybe we remember something from a previous past life and transposed it onto a life. I think there can be a lot of things like that that can happen. But I think I was talking to, I think it was, I think it was Paul Amaralt. He was a guy who remembered being on the Titanic and he said he went to see a therapist and when he came off the other end and he had this memory, he said, wow, that was trippy. Do you do you believe what I told you? And she said, doesn't matter whether I believe, what matters is it matters to you. And I thought that's actually a very good point in that sometimes, especially when you're talking about healing, you really shouldn't question it. As you say, we should just yeah. accept it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's exciting. I'd like to talk to him. Well, I can certainly put you in line with him because he's fascinated with it and it's still something that's very large in his life. And that's the other that's the other thing why I say be a little bit careful because once you open that floodgate, you will actually, it will become a part of this life. And it, you've got to be careful it doesn't take over this life because I know some people who are feel still very much struggling with the lives that they've had from the past that have pretty much obliterated this one in a sense because they're still dealing with it. I think that's where maybe where the, the work that transpired from what I did was to come up with it's beyond hypnose therapy. It's it's way beyond that and it's done in a in a way where people are not going to come back from an experience in a past life or even beyond feeling anything but liberated for something now. So I really feel like that was part of the mission was to develop a well, we can call it therapy, but we to develop something that is truly going to help people in this life with it not 
ever, ever to make it worse. It's meant to be, I think it's meant to be in our awareness to make our life easier, not harder. Is there any way that people can actually kind of get themselves in the right headspace or mind space to accept being regressed? Or is it something that some people just can't be regressed? I think from what I've seen, everybody can be, but the big blocker will be controlling that relaxation. It's where I think where people can't totally give up to the relaxation and controlling something that we do as a person. but. There's ways that we can, I'm going to say trick, but I don't literally mean trick them, but there's ways that we can work with them to get them beyond that control space so that they can recall or get into their past lives. But I also, I noticed how I said that these phases of my own, I guess, therapeutic practice transpires is recently, in the last few years, Something that's come in really strong is the spectrum. So people on the spectrum, I will not be surprised if I'm on the spectrum actually having a more understanding of it, <laughs> but um, so many. But I think sometimes depending how their, their mind works, it can be difficult or a bit more difficult. But so what happens is we develop a way to work with that. So one way or another, we got to be able to get people to be able to recall their memories and trust it. Energy knows no boundaries, so you can do it globally. You literally can do it on Zoom and, or it doesn't even have to be on Zoom, but I like it on Zoom so that I can see them. It's definitely possible for, in my observations, everybody to be able to. Having said that, I think that people get to see or get to have the experience at the right time in their mission in life. So it will happen. It's just about when's the time right for them. Oh, that's interesting. So if they're sort of open to the concept and finally ready to embrace it, then they should be probably more likely to be regressed in a sense, you mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Yes, and I can only assume that the ones that came to me were ready. It was their time because they went in so easily. Oh, Marilyn, it was so exciting exciting for me the the people the caliber of people that have come and even super logical people super skeptical people that have come along and they go in and it it's so exciting to me that it just it goes along and it happens and um it's it's truly it's a wonderful thing to to be involved in to witness as well (laughs) I can imagine it would be. Do you find when they come out that their perspective on life has changed or do they do they struggle with it? No, they <clears throat> always come out and s- the first thing they'll say is sometimes they might say, whoa, did I make that up? But they're always, once they're like, oh, they're back, they'll say, I feel lighter. And from there, I think usually when people leave from a session is they probably do a whole lot of reflection on what they've seen, how does it fit into now. We we do a lot of that in the session, but more stuff will come to them. So I think everyone that has it goes away feeling a whole lot more at ease with just with life and with themselves. 
if you have someone who comes in and they get regressed, is usually one session enough for them or do they need to come back or how does it work? Is it Do you find it's like a major epiphany that changes things or is it something? Well, that- this is something that's changed a little bit as well. But back in the day for most of the time, people would come for one session, one session and it changed, it changed them. It changed, it's fixed the symptom that they came to address so one time was enough but I must say back then we would go to more than one life almost every time at least three usually they would go sometimes it was all related to the same thing in this life and sometimes it was all different things so this one session had given them a whole bunch of healing for want of a better word but I find now being much further down the track and having developed the modality based on it. I think that it's something that people can use any time that something is a challenge for them in life because they'll be shown something that's relative. And the other thing is our lives are for an emotional experience. So there's a lot of things that happen through an individual in the cycle of life gosh, different, even the different ages that we go through, there's different things that will confront us. So it's really going to be helpful no matter what we're dealing with because you really, they're going to talk to their their higher self or their their soul, their higher consciousness. And that's, that's where there can be no limit on the sessions if they're needing relief or feeling that they need some relief, then it will help. So more than one session, Yay. But I wouldn't imagine that it's necessary that it's something you do every week, though it's when something is not being addressed and they're feeling like they want it to be addressed, it would definitely be worth trying. And you know what, actually, even if there's other lives to explore, we can find that out in the session and they'll be told that's it for now. Yes, there's more, but it'll be at another time. So yeah. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose too, once you deal with some of the, the the sort of the main overriding phobia or trauma or whatever that someone's dealing with, there can be other things, but you just yeah. need to sort of take a bit of time to brace in the middle and reflect and then a bit like we do on the yeah. other side and then yeah. try again. So that's quite interesting. So you were actually saying about too, that you had a lot of high level, what you would call sort of very professional people, very logical people, very scientific people come. And that's actually set you on a bit of a path as well, hasn't it? Because you've started your own course as well. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I'm really interested in that and I think it's crucial. I feel like the mission, which of course started out with past life therapy or regression, was to create a new kind of psychology, which is if I take just a slight step backwards, and I didn't realize this at first, but I'm fully aware of it now, is that this new psychology is for predominantly it's for the new kids that were born since 2000. Actually, they're adults now because the first ones are now 23 years old. But those people across the entire humanity, no matter culture, no matter their upbringing, they come with a different energy to us who were born with a in the 19s. So we had a one and a nine energy. They have all got a two energy. So what happened is this new psychology needed to include the fact that we are a soul and we're living a life. So to bring the two together was imperative as opposed to the more clinical approaches that we had 
when we were very logical or our generations are still predominantly logical. They default to logic. Whereas what the new young people do is they default more to their intuition. So to that that feeling center. So this psychology or these ways to help them through life is almost the opposite what they need to what our generations needed as far as therapy goes. So that's why what I developed, what I called soul life coaching, it's a new psychology. But what we are able to do with it is we're able to delve into anybody's life plan. So their mission in life, because we do come with it planned, we're born with the plan. And although we're not allowed to know it all at any given time, because we have come for a human experience, but there are times when it can be so helpful and the knowledge is allowed to be known to the person. So what we've done with this soul life coaching is developed a system where people can discover their what their mission in life is. It won't tell them every circumstance, but it will tell them the overriding umbrella of what they're here to learn, what they're going to experience as far as their emotional ride will be or their emotional experience will be. So when when people know that, they all know the key parts of their character as well. So the parts of themselves that they can change and the parts that they can't, when they know that, it's super empowering. Also, what we discovered is that because we're coming for an emotional experience, people come, I'm going to say part of their blueprint is to experience, I call them emotional bruises, and that's what we teach about. But in everyday terms, we can call them insecurities. So what we can tell is, and there's not a ton of insecurities, actually, they come back to just five. We're all doing one of them predominantly, and maybe a little bit of another one. But you can tell who's doing what. And because we know this, we're able to create this whole modality around how to work with each insecurity. And at what time does that person who's coming for coaching, actually coming for therapy, is it revealed to them? Because once it's revealed to us that we have a certain insecurity, it doesn't affect us as much. It's almost like it loses its hold on us. So it's at what time are we able or we're allowed to become aware of it to change our emotional experience? So that's what this modality is all about. It's just, it's getting right to the core for any person that comes along for it to be able to navigate life more easily. And I've gone big there where we're dealing with insecurities. That's the same for all of us, actually, no matter what generation we're from. But with these young ones, They're almost the opposite to us where people in our generations became aware of ourselves, our strengths, our insecurities later in life. Whereas what happened with these new kids is they know this, even as children, they know it. So it's almost like the tables have turned where they become more emotionally, they are already born a bit more emotionally intelligent. But certainly they know the things that took us into our 40s to find out, for example. So what will happen is as they get older, they'll need a different kind of help, whereas where their logic is more kicking in. And that's what they are going to need a little bit more help with. So it's really, it's so exciting and it's so interesting. And I've not even given a full, (laughs) full insight into how helpful it is. But that's the basic preface of soul life coaching is to be able to 
give them what they need to navigate this life. Isn't that interesting that it's actually kind of almost done like a, a seesaw? A yeah. yeah, and as you say, that further on, they'll actually need to access what we predominantly have and we need to access what they do. So we're kind yes. of in this uh, a bit of a, a blending situation where we, we both need to pick up attributes of the others. Quite interesting. Yeah. So your your soul life coaching, I, I actually, when I looked at your website, I thought that was aimed at only health professionals, but it's actually not, is it? It's aimed at anyone then? It's anybody can do this because they'll learn everything that's needed to be a really amazing therapist. Therapist, coach, counsellor, whatever they would like to call it. But yes, they'll learn everything that's necessary. And I think one of the things, because it happened to me, it makes me passionate about it, is that I came into this with no training in these realms. So I learned everything through experience, my own experiences of becoming self-aware as much as working with other people and observing it all. So because that happened to me, and I know that so many people are naturally wired, it's their mission basically to be doing, if not my modality, but to be in these realms of helping people with navigating life, counseling, psychology, however they end up doing it. So because of that, I know that people who worked in many different arenas can switch and what they need to listen to is just that calling that's calling them. I want to help people. And what happens is I do tend to attract people who have been professionals, maybe lawyers, maybe even psychology. Traditional psychology, is it's clinical. It's much more clinical and less about what we discovered the soul is here to do or what we're doing here. So they come along even as well to do this type of training. So it's something that intuitive people, I'm going to say the one thread that happens with people who come along, no matter how professional they are, no, no matter what their training has been, the thread is that they are super intuitive. Whether they've studied it before, they know and they're following it. They might say something like, I do not know why, but I'm drawn to this or this came up and I'm, I'm following up on it. So that's why it doesn't matter what your training's been in the past or even for people who have potentially stayed home as a mom or don't have children is not a thing. But I think the one thing that also is a thread is the people who are drawn to this have had a hell of an experience of life one way or another, whether it was in their childhood, whether it was a a terrible divorce or some sort of grief. They've been through some turmoil in life. And I think what I also discovered is that is key to us evolving within our lifetime towards wisdom. And wisdom and knowledge is a good thing, but grief or trauma is what gives us, and moving through it, working through to the other side of it is what gives us our wisdom. And I think that is what people get drawn to this modality. They've been through the school of life, I'll call it, one way or another. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? As you go through life, your perception changes a lot. You start out as being this, you've got this little prepackaged set of notions and then as you go along, you start to go, well, maybe there's more to this or maybe there's, yeah. and I think, I think I really would strongly encourage anyone who's sort of sitting on the fence or even if you're sceptical, you know, about it, what have you got to, I dare you, go out and try it because what have you got to lose? You know, I mean, you may find that you actually experience something or pick up something that gives you a slightly different perspective. 
And, you know, I'm saying that because I think you're right. I think at the moment, modern clinical medicine tends to be very adverse to this sort of situation. They they kind of think you they think you're going into the realm of the spiritual and all the rest of it instead of actually looking at it for what it is. And that is there is a set of facts that proves that this actually works. So what yeah. have you got to lose by trying it? Because one of the things I'm really passionate about is I want I want to get the message out there so people stop looking on well regression therapy, but also stop looking on reincarnation itself as being something that's hippy dippy, something that's spiritual. Not that I have anything against the spirituality aspect of reincarnation. I, I have no problems with anything that brings peace or understanding or clarity or a sense of purpose to people. I think it, that's crucial and it's important. And there's no way to prove that things like the Akashic Record don't exist. They possibly do, you know. It's just not something at the moment that we can prove. So I've got no problems with that. But I think we need to change this mindset of reincarnation being in the the kind of the, it's got a bit of a reputation of being a hokey 60s kind <laughs> of, you know, hippy-dippy thing instead of just being a part of life, let's be honest. That's so true. And it is just a part of life. And I think that's what we're working towards. So it's, it's yes. good. So for anyone who's been really, really fascinated by Tony and would like to know a bit more about her, you've actually written a book that has become an absolute bestseller. Do you want to tell people about the book so that they can learn more about what you do? Oh, and I can tell you about my book. My book's called Awake, The Purpose of Life and Why You're Here. And the aim of it was to end or to express in everyday terms why we are here. Because I think people have this idea that the purpose of life is so different to what it actually is. And so through my life, I penned about choosing our parents and all of the things that happen to us or that happen to us, that we experience through life. They're part of our mission. They're meant to be. So I was very candid. I was candid in some of the experiences I had in life to try and help express how everyday things that happen are part of the experience of life. So that's what the book is about. And I hope that you enjoy the book. It's available on Amazon and you can download it from there or you can listen to it too, if that's your preference. But um, I think that people find what I was hoping that they would get from it was stop being so hard on themselves. I think that, dare I say it, morals and some of these things, these pressures that people put on themselves that kind of come from down the lines of religion, actually. And the thing is, your mission in life is going to be lived out because it was planned before you come. So the more that you can feel at ease with surrendering to that and I think it just helps you live life more easily and stop being so mean to yourself when things crop up. One of the things that I expressed in this book is a love at first sight experience that I had. And of course, it, it was a big deal in my life. I think that ha that happened. So I would write about it and help people also stop being so nasty to themselves, trying to live a lie if you like. So if you read it, that's what I'm hoping you can do. Just be more comfortable being who you are and learning who that is and not living behind a, a veil or living a lie, being free to be you. Oh, I think that's just beautiful. It's actually probably a beautiful spot to actually stop the interview, but it's just been amazing talking to you. Thank you so, so much. 
for coming on because you've you've been so knowledgeable and you've been so approachable. I think that's a lot of the thing. I think some people feel a little bit intimidated at the thought of this. So I'm hoping that some of the people out there who have been thinking about what to do, you, there was a great point about, you know, if someone is saying, oh, well, let, I want to get regression done. If you feel that you want to get it done, perhaps you should get it done then. I will change my mindset on that because I think you might be right. I think it could be that maybe they're being led to subconsciously being led because it's the only way to kind of get through a trauma that they haven't really faced or something. That's that's yeah. quite interesting. Thank you so much, Tony. This has been amazing. Thanks, Marilyn. I've loved talking to you. Oh, me too. It's been great. So I'll post the information about Tony's book on the website. So thank you very much and I'll catch up with you soon. So the documentary that Tony and I talk about is called Ancient Apocalypse. And while it isn't about reincarnation per se, it's a fascinating program that makes you ask important questions about how accurate our understanding of archaeology actually is. I can thoroughly recommend it as it pushes through the glass walls of recognised archaeological theory in the same way we're trying to push through the preconceptions about reincarnation and life after death. Tony's work is so important as her courses are encouraging the movement towards acceptance of reincarnation theory, partly for medical professionals in the Western world and partly for people trying to bring about change in their lives. Tony's life coaching and coaching sessions to help a person find their life mission surprising inclusions that not many professionals offer and it seems to be a much needed inclusion in health and wellness education. So often people relate that they are unhappy with their lives and that they dread the thought of reincarnation because they can't stand the thought of repeating this experience again and again. But that's the big question. Is life about staying static and settling into an existence that leaves us feeling like it's lacking? Or is it about using the experiences that we have to gain insight so we can move our lives into a more valuable presence or perhaps simply just to find more joy and peace in our lives? We're so fortunate in developed countries because we have so much, perhaps too much. I wonder if it's not too easy to become distracted and lost in our noisy, oversupplied, overstimulated existence. My husband always says that the purpose of life is to find our purpose. I suspect he's being partly tongue-in-cheek, but there is also some wise advice in those words. When I think of Tony finding her passion by her personal crisis of divorce and me finding mine through a pandemic, I wonder if the universe isn't always gently steering us towards a positive path that we haven't even considered. All I know is that life changes can come from some very surprising pathways. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoy this episode. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation, or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I'd love to hear about them, and I can be contacted through my email at reincarnationplr at gmail.com or via my Facebook page called Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. If you'd like to support me, I'd be honoured if you'd become a Patreon supporter. You can find me on Patreon under Reincarnation PLR. I don't do extra content yet, but I am hoping to bring some in. But your support helps me to keep pumping content out faster and lets me keep on doing what I hope you love hearing. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose. <laughs>